The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tatecast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can follow me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. This is what I consider to be a very special episode of the show. I am joined by at Carlini8, who uh, is a new a new friend to me. Uh, I met him through Peter Overzet's Discord, uh, Deposit Kingdom. Of course, you guys should all sign up there and follow Ship Chasing and do all of that good stuff. But Carlini is essentially one of the world's largest OGs of NFTs, you know, all dating all the way back to CryptoKitties, owning hundreds of CryptoPunks, has the second biggest account on NBA Top Shot, uh, distributes his own NFT, and it is a, a properly owned business, as we will discuss in this show. Uh, it was a, a wonderfully interesting conversation. Uh, Carlini is uh, one of the more intelligent people who has ever been on the show and has had lots of success in the crypto and NFT space. And I think you guys will really enjoy what he has to say. If you enjoyed the show, you can get bonus episodes on patreon.com slash takecast, or you can just support the show by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone. Very excited to welcome into the show a NFT OG, about as OG as it gets. Uh, Mr. Carlini, you might know him better as Perlini if you are in the deposit kingdom inside of, of Peter Overzet's Discord. But uh, Mr. Carlini was nice enough to join me and, and really just try to educate me on the NFT space because I am, I am a boomer. I, I am about as close to not making it as, as someone can possibly be. So thank you very much for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, so before we you know, get into the weeds, why don't you just give people a little bit of background on your experience with, uh, with crypto and with NFTs in general? Uh, so crypto, it was, I can't remember exactly when, but I did mine, mine some Bitcoin. Um, all I know from I've had I've had four years in NFTs, so my my memory is completely shot at this point. Sure, uh, but all I know is it was in my old house, and that was between five and seven years ago. So it was is in that time, and I lost the wallet. It was on an old PC that's gone, uh, and it was very it was not much. So you know when it hit fifty k, everyone's like, oh go go find this wallet. I'm sure I was using my gaming PC 
to mine while I slept. That was that was about the level I was at that time uh, ago. 2016, I bought some ETH, uh, and I was since since then I've I've been all about ETH over anything else. It's always utility for me over over the Bitcoin sort of store of value gold revolution sort of levels. Uh, and then got into NFTs 2017 December with Crypto Kitties and have never really left since. Uh, 16,000 transactions on my main wallet, probably over 500 wallets just for various different things. Uh, two companies and yeah, NFTs, NFTs probably for the foreseeable future. Well, we are definitely going to get into all of that because I have lots of questions about maintaining 500 wallets and, and the companies and everything. But I, I, I would be remiss if at the beginning of the show, because I know I have uh, my, my fellow Boomer Coin friends who listen to the show as well. I am a, I am a Boomer Coiner, uh, at least in the sense of, I, I, you know, I've, of course, I hold both. And I've been buying Ethereum and holding Ethereum for a long time. But most people's initial foray, though this is different now with NFTs, I actually think for the first time in the existence of crypto, people's first foray is coming via Ethereum as opposed to Bitcoin. What specifically, you know, do you, do you remember the moment of being like, oh yeah, this is way better, or this is what sells me on Ethereum much more than, you know, the very limited practical applications of Bitcoin? Uh, I guess I was fully sold with my first NFT uh, with CryptoKitties. I was, so I must have had a year and a half or so of buying ETH over Bitcoin. So I had, I mined Bitcoin, I held Bitcoin, and I still had Bitcoin when I first bought ETH. But there was just, it, it was around Chitcoin mania, I guess, was uh, around that time. And there's just, just so much more to do. Like you buy Bitcoin, but it's hard to earn more Bitcoin unless you're a trader. Yep. Um, whereas if you can go off, you can you can do your homework at whatever time is going on and try. You can obviously lose ETH as well, but you can then try and make more. There's just more to talk about. It's just generally more exciting. So, you know, Bitcoin. You know, I have some. It's the it's the investment that I can't really talk too much about because I'm just too busy. I, I remember hyping up, well, not hyping up, but like being excited about OMG. Uh, the Oh, yeah. Omi's Go tokens. Super, super computer of the future. And, oh, I can't even remember what else there was. There, there just, was there was a lot the, yeah, that that so 2017, many. that 2017 mania period. Uh, I, I actually kind of think of that as like my favorite time. In crypto, because, you know, I obviously I had less money overall then and, you know, less financial obligations. So like every day, the price swinging or the price going up felt absolutely monumental. And it's a it's a little bit less so now. But also around that same time, I remember the crypto kitties thing. And I remember people talking about breeding them and like, oh, someone spent one point one million dollars on a crypto kitty. But for whatever reason, even on you know crypto shows like crypto podcasts that I listened to back then and everything, they didn't get into the specifics of how 
non-fungible tokens work nearly as much. Like it's like people were much less interested in the mechanics and the Ethereum part of it. And they were kind of just treating it, you know, like Neopets or, or something. So what was your CryptoKitties experience like? Uh, well, my, my main wallet was the, when you look back at the stats, it was the second biggest breeder of cats in December, 2017. And I have multiple wallets. So I was potentially... I know who the who the number one wallet breeder was. I don't know if he used multiple wallets back then, but I was potentially the main breeder of 2017, I guess, because um, the the UI was so bad, just everything was so bad that you couldn't filter when it all first started. That I was setting up all these cat breeding farms on different wallets, and that's where my different wallets started. Um, you gas was so low most of the time that you could just filter your nfts by just sending them to a different wallet because it was so cheap uh crypto kitties did get a lot of bad press for quotes killing ethereum which they right. took they took gas to a level that people just accept as normal now but back then crazy like oh it gas touched gas touched 100 that that killed Ethereum, whereas now, oh, it's only a hundred. Nothing's going on, I guess. Hit drops hit three thousand now, four thousand. I think I've seen on a few, um, and no one's saying anything's killing Ethereum. Um, it's, it's just how how far far we've come with it all, I guess. Uh, but I was just breeding. I was buying crypt kitties, breeding them and selling them, and just just looking at the. ETH pile up. It was purely, it was like an addicted game of making money, but also enjoying it because there was so much, so much in mystery back then. Like right now, right, right now there'll be like five tools instantly up. Like oh, this is these are the rarest ones. Breed these. This will come out. But there was enough. You had to. There were like backed up Google spreadsheets of ones and zeros and it it was all hacked together it was it was effectively the first i'm sure something could pop up like someone will say oh Ethereum was the first nft game crypto kitties was the first nft game that anyone really played and it was pretty much the the first it was the first nft mania i guess cryptopunks had few hundred people crypto kitties was in the thousands and was the first to hit 10 a uh, hundred thousand wallets interacting with it so it was a huge jump in the nft space everyone was trying to figure out what was going on people were going crazy 250 ethereum sales uh People just thinking, is this real? Is this money laundering? What's a lot of a lot of the arguments that you have now, just absolutely no stats to back it up. Like there's no history of NFTs. Right. And it was, I'd say, if you're just talking about the 2017 mania, that was hodl time, wasn't it? It was oh, hodl onto your your shit coins, let's go to the moon. And people buying the expensive crypts kiddies had that mentality and that kind of wrecked them. If you bought cats, bred them, if you played the game, you made money. If you came in with a crypto mentality of the time, you did not. Um, 
you got pretty heavily it was it was a big bottleneck as the only way for there to be more cats was for people to breed cats so dapper slash axiom zen who then became dapper had no control like in top shot they could print more packs when their site was working in crypto kitties they released one cat every 15 minutes for a year Imagine one pack drip for fifteen for a, every fifteen right. minutes for a year, but you could smash the packs together to make another pack, and people would be buying the packs to make more packs, but they're cats, and that was that was kind of the start of it all for me. And and I'd say I'd say NFTs without it. It sounds like a bold claim, but the the most important NFT project ever is CryptoKitties. And I would have OpenSea as more important, but I'm not sure if you count them because they're not an NFT. They're just a sales place. But to get yeah, to they're where a, we are they're today, a broker. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have them as, without them, I don't think we get to where we are today with, you know, 200 million being a normal day. But CryptoKitties I have second uh, as the most important. And... That was where it all started for me. So I suppose that's sort of an interesting question people might have is, you know, crypto punks are, are revered as the, you know, the gold standard of non-fungible tokens, right? Floor punks are like insane. It's like, a, I don't even know. It's like something like $120,000 now for a floor punk. And we have $5 million punks. And at least part of that thesis is, I guess, the idea that they are the first NFT project. So what, what, why do you think that punks are revered as that special? Like kind of what's your thesis statement on why punks are revered as that special, but crypto kitties are not mostly just because it was like a fail. Like people have such bad taste in their mouth from, you know, as crypto crashed in 2017 and 2018. So did the crypto kitties. Uh, the, the will be an element of that because uh, crypto kitties was a huge funnel effectively everyone trying to pile in and it it bubbled up and you could see it coming beforehand you can even all of the logs are still there you can go back and look at discord messages of people saying look this is this is going to pop this is going to go and unlike people now who say oh nfts are in a bubble it was just simple game mechanics you could see it happening and it was all in one ecosystem um so that would have hurt some people but with it being the first viral NFT, it will keep some away, but still the space was small. Uh, CryptoPunks is older, um, so so it's easier for it to, well, I mean, it's come out. It, we had a few years of saying it was the first and then some others popped up and you debate, are they actually NFTs? And you, you can you can go pretty deep into what is an NFT, what is the first NFT, uh, and if you get too deep, you end up with like Roman coins that aren't made properly. So they're all slightly different, but they're still tokens and it gets too deep. But CryptoPunks are simple. Uh, like if you want to know what's good, there's pretty much, you know, I could tell you three or four things. With CryptoKitties, it's so complicated. You really have to get in deep. Um and also limited. So CryptoPunks is capped at 10,000. A couple of been burnt. So you're looking at 9996 or 5, I think. Whereas CryptoKitties is now at 2 million. 
So it kind of comes into the Pokemon card sort of phase where there are lots and lots of Pokemon cards, but PSA Charizard's first edition, 10, they are expensive. Beckett, 10s, three of them, mega expensive. Energy cards from the new sets, really cheap. But people who are buying Pokemon cards are generally in. They've they've learned it as kids or whatever. It went huge. So they understand what's good and what's supposed to be cheap. Whereas with CryptoKitties, we're in a we're in an NFT mentality of flaw. What's the flaw? What's the flaw? CryptoKitties are always going to be much like Topshot. You always need entry level to get people in. So when people have to think a bit more to try and figure out, oh, what are the what are the good stuff? What I've got a million dollars. What do I spend it on? Punks easy. CryptoKitties much harder. Um, and I guess because CryptoKitties tried to do something, as ultimately, I guess their target was a billion people on the blockchain. Ultimately, they failed. Uh, when use that fund to build flow and then top shot. So they might still claim to have succeeded, but not with CryptoKitties. Punks can't fail. Punks are done. What you get is what you get. You get history with punks. CryptoKitties should have history. They're the first ERC721. They invented the standard. It got improved slightly afterwards, which is why OpenSea is so tricky to use with CryptoKitties. But because of their history, they should be high. It's it's fairly easy to figure out what's at least base level good. Uh, the founders, they were selling for 250 Ethereum, 2017 December. And as of two hours ago, you could get one for 60. So they've depreciated. And one of the first 100 ERC721s, which we still use four years later, cheaper than a floor punk is cheaper than a rock that was made after crypto kitties probably almost certainly inspired by crypto kitties yet the rock is more expensive because there aren't two million small rocks that you then have to think oh the big rocks are better so it's it's just more complicated and i guess it's also not as cool looking. You're not going to have one of these cats as yep, that's true. your profile picture against a punk. Yeah. And uh, so I think something that would be fairly confusing to someone who is, you know, trying to figure out the NFT game, like, oh, should I, should I, should I buy one of these? Which one should I buy? The, like what you were talking about, the rarity so, I mean, this is literally something that I learned this week. Like, obviously I had heard like, oh, you know, that looks rare. Or, you know, I'd heard about traits on Twitter or on podcasts or whatever. Like, oh, that's a really rare trait. Uh, you know, the, the, the goons with the lava fur, those are, those are the rare ones. Or the alien punks, those are the rare ones. But inside of all of these other algorithmically generated NFT projects, you know, there are... Uh, different variations of rarity. And there are actually like websites with like rarity tools that will tell you how rare it is. But what, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly with CryptoKitty specifically, it was impossible to do that back in 2017. So people really just didn't know what to buy. 
Well, you you'd make your own narrative, um, right? Because right now we just know, right? They're going to drop, then they'll be on rarity tools, and the most expensive ones will be number one. It's 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 a model that's just played out sixteen times a day for the last three months with every drop. Uh, there's there's three or four different tools. Um, for instance, Perlini's are on Evaluate Market as well as Rarity Tools. So they they do it slightly differently. And what I think people don't know is these rarities are subjective. Someone has decided what they deem to be rarer. And in some of these, it really you can really tell that they're they're thrown off the pricing because of this one person who has picked how it's going to do it. And then everyone just follows that and it becomes consensus because everyone's like, okay, this is what we do now. Whereas with the first project with CryptoKitties, you, you would decide, right. I think this is going to do well in three years. And then you tell people and they'd either agree and buy in or they disagree. So like there were just so many different things you could buy like imagine if punks didn't only have attributes but you also had special punks that were so in crypto kitties there's fancies and they look completely different to the normal crypto kitties and generally they would be released on valentine's day and it would be cupid or it would be uh women's women's international day and it would be some some famous woman who'd done something and that would be the cat or science day and you'd have a science cat and there's just so many different fancies and then there's exclusives and then there's gems and then there's gen zeros and then there's highest gens and I had picked I made an account called low number fancy and it was so these fancies are all released as different cats and they're numbered often one to 250 or 500 back in back in the day so they're they're limited in themselves and my goal was always to get the lowest number it was a bit like you're playing golf if i bought number one i'd count that as a a hole in one and i give myself one point if i got number two it would be two points and the lowest number you had was the best and i had people make these sites that would rank your it would rank your fancy collection based on your golf score and that then set off a whole wave of buying as people competed to have the best score and when you look back at some of the sales these will probably never happen again because no one will care but i wasted so much money on completing this set that i cared about because that was my narrative over someone else who was buying founders or so the first hundred or all these other different things people were just right this is what someone i knew bought palindromes like all crypto kitties have a number and they were just buying cheap palindromes because they thought someone would care and now even they don't care literally no one in the world cares about them but that's just the market we were in in 2017 when no one knew what was going to happen with nfts and now nfts are as safe a bet as they've ever been there's a there's a set standard people know what to go for you go low number of traits high number of traits best rarity sometimes even worst rarity and then coolest looking um 
and that's something that CryptoKitties never really could do. You don't, bar, bar a few people that have been entrenched in CryptoKitties, I'm not sure I've ever seen a CryptoKitties avatar rocked for more than a month or so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that I have either. Um, okay, so 2017, Bitcoin crests very high for the very first time. Ethereum goes high for the very first time. You know, people who are, were, you know, internet nerds were, were getting rich. We had all of the crazy ICO stuff. What, what was the NFT ecosystem like in, you know, crypto winter, basically in after, after things started crashing in 2018 and 2019, like how small did that community go? Were there any projects? Like what, what was trading? What was any of that stuff like, you know, basically when literally no one in the larger world was paying attention? It was, it was quite a bit like now, but on a much smaller scale. So right now we have, I think today there's 20 new projects coming out. Back then, 2018, you'd get maybe one a week. And the issue was these weren't copy and pasted. Like these were mostly something different. And it was actually quite interesting looking at a new project and going, okay, so what's their, what's their angle here? Um, and because of how small the community was, you really did have to try and make it different because at, at one point it felt like the only bias was one discord. There was one discord called crypto NFT gaming or something along those lines, uh, which I think is still open now. Um and if it was if a project was liked by those people, it did well. Um, bear in mind, at the start of Crypto Winter, this was pre-OpenSea, pretty much. So you had different mechanics because you you wouldn't be buying an NFT and selling it. You would be back then. A huge thing was dividends. So right now, as like hash masks, we saw it with them. They had a FOMO ramp. And as, as people, as more people bought in, the price got more and more expensive. Now, if you imagine that happening, but as the price got more expensive, all of that went to the buyers before. So if you bought whatever it was, number one, and someone bought number two, the devs would get exactly the same amount per buy, but then the price increase would go to person one. And as the third one is bought, the price increase would go to number two two and one so you're not trying to sell your nfts you're trying to get enough people to buy in after you that you get your money back and that was that was maybe two months of that um what i remember is a project called crypto celebrities that went pretty big uh it was effectively you know elon musk bill gates satoshi it was just a mugshot of them mm-hmm. and you would buy it and then it would automatically relist at a certain percentage higher i think it was 10 percent, and you're then holding the bag until someone buys that from you and then it automatically goes higher and it was actually quite hard to sell lower so you were it was it was a hot potato time uh where a lot of a lot of things came out like that um where if if it was not bought back you were you were screwed i remember i had alison brie from uh well 
I know her from Community. Yeah, Community. Yeah, I think uh, I think I bought Annie at four reef, and then she automatically was listed at five or something. And I, this was quite a bit of quite a bit of my role at that time. Uh, I didn't I didn't start with much in Crypto Kitties, and I'd I'd spent a lot of my money buying these number one and uh, fancy cats that I'd shield myself into. And then I'm just think, sitting there thinking, what if the music dies now? It's not like I can relist lower. You just literally, no one buys it and it's done. I have, I must have from back in the day, I must have a, I think I own the White House. I don't think anyone's told the president, but uh, I paid 70 for that. Um, no one's bought it from me. And, and the uh, floor was literally zero because like you, like it was either it would sell at the, extended price right the higher price or literally it was completely a liquid like you just you could not sell it for half of what you bought it for well i think technically it's been listed for eight ethereum for three years now maybe four so i think i'm out of luck and i'm fairly sure the website's dead and it would take a lot of contract digging to even find it let alone buy it so yeah it's it's zero i'm I'm sure there's a way to now that i could list it for say an ETH, and probably just say hey guys look how old this is and you know with how crazy things are someone might buy it but back back then yeah the only way is you hold on to this forever or someone buys it from you at the higher price so i'm pretty sure so i, I actually went on to the crypto celebrities uh, a few few weeks ago pretty sure elon musk is still up there about 140 ethereum he was he was the most pumped um so just just still sitting there never to be bought i think that's fair i mean that's fairly interesting and i guess like that mechanic inside of a marketplace would work very well for the people who are investing in it until it wouldn't right because i mean everyone everyone's happy until the music stops, whether that be, you know, some sort of financial panic in general, people becoming less interested in NFTs or in Ethereum as a whole, I suppose. So when did, when did, um, you know, OpenSea come into the picture? Like when did, uh, like when did sales start to pick up? When did it become, I mean, not mainstream. Like I, I actually don't even think NFTs are mainstream yet relative to what I expect them to be eventually but when did when did the tide start to turn uh well OpenSea came from CryptoKitties so I believe the team met at CryptoKitties and their love of NFTs was sparked there and I think I read recently Nostro uh, a guy who was in uh, Crypto Kitties really deeply was their first user in maybe I'm just trying to scroll down his Twitter. It was something January the something. He was their first uh, sign up 2018. Uh, so 2018 would have been when OpenSea even originated as a place where you could, you know, buy, sell, trade, do do things like that. So I, I guess the again, from someone who, you know, basically showed up when Top Shot showed up in January would be like, this is a whole ecosystem and an environment that existed 
that was parallel to what was going on in crypto. And I've been, you know, interested in crypto the entire time, you know, been have, have had my, my dollar cost averaging buys go through though, you know, I mean, and this is not an original point at all, but, you know, of course, uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic had a huge part with people just, you know, being even more digitally native, even more online, becoming more comfortable with the idea of digital ownership, right? When you, when you work online or you go to school online and you basically never have to leave the house, it's just something changes with your brain where the online ownership just becomes much easier to conceptualize. Yeah. I think a lot of people, it did push people to realize that, um, and what, what's what's funny is when you go around the space and those who have been in a long time, they're often people who had played RuneScape or World of Warcraft or something like that just for for years of their childhood. And for them, it just clicked early that in a way they were always kind of buying and selling NFTs, even back as a kid. It's just now they own them and now it's that's the point so it's almost it's almost like you're playing the market back then now uh and it's i've just looked it's the 10th of january uh OpenSea had their first registered user and at that point it was it wasn't like here we are hello everyone grand reveal it took a long time for for OpenSea to be fully adopted it took a long time for the nfts that were created to even be able to all be listed on OpenSea. So quite often you'd have some launched and they'd forked an old contract instead of a new contract and you couldn't sell on OpenSea even when it was the time. And back then pretty much the whole community lived on Discord. And I think that could have been one of our problems because after seeing the power of Twitter uh, this last year, had we all been openly on Twitter instead of Discord for the whole time, we could have got people over a bit quicker because they didn't have to join a discord to see what was going on. They could have sometimes had it shoved in their face by the algorithm. Um, so there were, there were, there were even a few different. So I was mainly in, I guess the collectible area of NFTs and I didn't really 2018 is when crypto art sort of started popping up and I, I heard about it here and there um, but that was very much its own ecosystem for quite a long time with its own people active in it. Then you had the collectibles. Um, and back then, even things like games, so Axie would count as a collectible back then as well, just because the tech didn't really exist for games. The games, I mean, they're still not AAA now, but they were they were really bad back then the amount of the amount of dead game projects that we've got i remember ethercraft which was minecraft but on ethereum uh ether dungeon my crypto heroes one one went huge my crypto hero i think was the one that seemed to have loads of volume and i didn't know anyone that had any just just so many, so many dead projects. Eve.town was a, was supposed to be a gambling site where you own the casino. Uh, and then Dave Rugg pulled. Crypto War was another one, which was kind of risk. And that worked for a bit, which was in, interesting until it didn't work. 
and that was pretty much how it went. They always used to work until they didn't, and you then got rugs. Yeah, which was you know it it was it's still kind of the wild wild west now, but it was very much the wild wild west then. So let's let's fast forward a little bit. Let's get to January twenty twenty one. Punk start to really move and become kind of a cultural thing. Were you involved with the Top Shot stuff at all? Like, did you, did you, I mean, I, I assume probably yes. Like, what was your Top Shot experience like? Uh, good, good. My Top Shot experience was good. I was, I joined the Top Shot Discord in 2019. Um, Pretty my, good. My first ever message in the Discord is, uh, oh, I can't remember her name, John Ralphio's sister in, Parks and Rec going, money, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took a while to pay off. Uh, Top Shot was up and down pre-January 2021. There were times where you think, right, this is going to be the biggest thing ever. Uh, bear in mind, I have zero basketball knowledge. Um, I learned who Steph Curry was from Crypto Kitties when he was going to be a cat. And then it turned out Dapper had dealt with a marketing agency and not him and they pulled that so if you search like uh curry crypto kitty you can see there were three that they were going to release um and they did actually start the auction but no one ever owned them so that that's my basketball knowledge kobe lebron and then curry and i sent a mess i originally declined the beta for um top shot because i said look these are the three i know and I only know one of them because of you. And then they were like, no, just come on, just be like from the NFT side. You don't have to know about basketball. And I was like, okay. And I actually sold all my punks to buy hollow packs. And what from a trade. The top packs. And that did go well, even, even now with the punk price and just how I how I sold them. The the LeBron Kobe dunk. Um, right. I had 10 of those. The from the top, the one Jack has number 23, had 10 of those, and I sold all of them before it went parabolic. I sold the last one like two weeks before. So that was fun. Uh, and I current I think I believe I currently have the second highest valued top shot account via manipulation. So, what do you mean? What do you mean by manipulation? So because of that, because of all those from the top buys, I think I bought a hundred legendary from the top packs, which keep in mind at the time they were one Ethereum and I paid for everything in Ethereum. So I shoved a hundred ETH into these back when ETH was $240. And I had a lot of Derek Rose from the top. Okay. But when the when the marketplace came out, no one no one really wanted those and I had so much, so much dapper bucks that I couldn't get out that I was just, I was just buying them as they came, and now I have thirty-four, and I asked everyone who owns the rest to delist theirs. So mine is listed at one million dollars, and it's the cheapest one. So my account gets thirty-four million dollars from my thirty-four direct. Oh, roses. that's so funny! <laughs> that's so good. So, so my account's worth something like. 34.8 million and 34 of it comes from Derek Rose, but I'm the second, second highest account above MBL. That's the important part. 
That it, you're right. That is the important part. So, uh, and we're, you know, we're going to get, we're going to talk about the purrs and some other stuff here in a second. Maybe, maybe we'll get some, maybe we'll get some free alpha. Maybe we won't. And if not, that's also fine. But I just, as I, I'm just curious your thoughts on how Top Shot plays into all of this, because it's sort of like the open sea marketplace exists and, you know, the, the minting of the new projects and punks and hash masks and all of these other things. They all, those are actual NFT projects, right? They're algorithmically generated. They're, they're kind of attached to quote unquote companies, but not really. They're kind of their own independent entities, especially after they have been minted. So Topshot does not function that way, right? Topshot is extremely centralized. The, the company and the marketing team and everything, th- those people are going to have a direct impact on price. They can make decisions as it pertains to collector score, et cetera, et cetera, that, that really influenced the market. So what are your thoughts on how Topshot relates to the NFT marketplace? Uh, well, for starters, it is an, N- an NFT. Like I see, I see a lot of people tweet like, oh, they don't, they're not NFTs because of Dapper, blah, blah, blah. At no point in non-fungible token does it say, has to be on Ethereum or right. isn't centralized. So it is an NFT to start off. Um, Dapper have always said from the start that they'll release a, uh, they'll let you have a non-custodial wallet. Um, and I think that will be opt-in, uh, which when when you see what some people were doing when they first came over to ETH after being on Top Shot, you can see why that's going to be the user flow because people were just effectively wasting money um because they didn't know what was going on so the education is a, a good idea i think uh it's well we'll see with flow because a lot of flow unlocks in a month and two weeks i think okay and we'll see what happens to the price and what that does to the whole ecosystem because when people are properly trading flow i'm not sure if that will clog it up, like uh, with ETH, you can um, you can very much you can see when the price is moving. Gas goes up quite a lot, uh, which is the ecosystem getting clogged with um, with transactions of people trying to trade it. So I don't know if we're going to see that with Flow or if it truly is a quicker alternative. Um, it, and that's, I guess, what I'm most interested to see because when, when I look at NFTs, I don't really on flow. I don't really know too much about what should be good because of my basketball knowledge. You know, with it being so poor, um, with with the new the women's side of things coming in, I have no clue how big that market is over there. Uh, so what interests me most is the stuff I know. I I would like to know more about the basketball for, well, my Derek Rose bags. But at this point, what's interesting me most, what I'm looking forward to is seeing how flow copes when two thirds of the token are unlocked uh, in a month and a few weeks. Because if, if you're not seeing delays, that's incredibly bullish. Um, I would expect delays, so it wouldn't be bearish if there are any. But if there aren't any, that's that's a good sign that Flow's going to be able to handle another top shot. So 
I've, you know, there's there's American football potentially coming. Uh, they've just have they just got La Liga for real football that you play with feet and a ball. Um, ice hockey, I think I've seen on. There. What's your uh, what's your your proper football team? Who do you who who is your team? Uh, Newcastle United. Oh man, really? Are you are you from are you from the north? I'm not. Uh, it's I just have supported them since I was about four or five. And unfortunately, it's been very bad times. Um, well, they, they would have been good when you were a kid, right? That's probably why. Um, yeah. Alan Shearer was great. Yeah, I was going to say Alan Shearer. That was, that was pretty much the man. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, this, it's, it's not been a good time to be a Newcastle supporter for the past 20 years of my life. <laughs> No, no, it hasn't. Uh, for 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 our American listeners, that would that would be like rooting for, oh, there's got to be there's like uh, like rooting for the Pittsburgh Pirates or something like that. Just no good. You hate you hate. I I assume you are very much out on the the ownership of the team. What Mike Ashley's his name? Yeah, yeah, Mike Ashley out. We want we want someone who doesn't treat it. Yeah, I, like- I yeah, I love I love english football like i yeah that's it's uh probably honestly it's probably my favorite sport to watch these days i mean american football is good for the gambling good for the fantasy but uh proper proper football is the best so let's let's talk about at, this is what people want so if, uh, i'm sorry if it took us so long to get here but let's talk about nfts as they exist right now and actually you know what i want to talk about purrs uh you are you are one of the founders of Penelope's country club which is uh uh an nft project and i am uh, i am a new holder of uh of two purrs so why don't you why don't you break down what it is and, and what it's all about well it's uh a face value it's it's your regular everyday profile picture project um so some people have asked did the did the current mania cause that to happen and the answer is yes uh i i wanted to build so i've got here from nfts and at this point i'm basically retired because of nfts and retiring for me fire is not you know doing nothing it's doing what you want what you love whenever you want and for me that is purse so I've I founded it. I've got some friends on board um, who do various various different things. Uh, we've got customer service. We've got sort of the finance stuff behind behind the scenes. We've got a website guy. We've got dev guy. Um, and the whole goal is to give back. So it's you look at apes. You look at gutter cats. You look at all these profile pictures that are now currently up there in price and what they have is a community that have effectively been made rich from these projects and that Mm -hmm. as as bad as it is that breeds loyalty people are loyal to those who make you money and that's kind of just you know that's just life that's life Treat, treat people well they treat you well back so we're very upfront about everything we do. Um, we're not, we were not one of those projects who sold out and went, okay, 800 ETH, split that 200 ETH to four people, job done. Uh, I guess we'll work on this a bit. We 
took that ETH and have been very open about what we've done with it. Some has gone on salaries. We haven't just split up the ETH. That's been turned into the good old British pound, uh, and that will be monthly sent out for wages. A very a very normal wage, not a not an NFT sort of hype wave wage. Um, and that is how we get paid. That is the only way we get paid. Um, we're not siphoning off ETH or anything like that. Uh, we've we put a quarter of our take into a community wallet where everyone can vote on how they wish that 200 ETH to be spent. Uh, and we've had a community vote and it's currently actually ongoing. Uh, you could go to snapshot.org now and vote on vote with your two pairs with a nice, your two pairs that have a cost basis of zero ETH. Uh, you can vote on yes or I'm gonna no. Go, I'm going to go vote right now. So we're currently voting for the 200 ETH to go into the Kitty Bank, which is the main other part of the project. Um, so the Kitty Bank is effectively a wallet of NFTs that we will continuously add to. Um, and what we say with that is this wallet is going to be fractionalized via fractional.art, uh, which is Andy's site, funnily enough, after taking this spot from him. Um, and those will be contained, those fractions will go inside your PERS. So if you want to have access to that token, you have to destroy your cat or one of the airdrops you get from your cat. So we've got eight airdrops planned. Um, so together with your cat, that will be nine NFTs. And inside those, you will have this token. I say inside, technically it's not, but I like to think of them as a piggy bank where you put money in and then when you need it, you smash it and you take the money out, the old school style. Um, so you smash, you burn your cat on our website uh, when it's live. Please, no one just go and burn your cat now because that won't work. It's a contract. Don't just send it directly to the burn address. And you get this token in return. And that token, I don't know if you've seen any of the fractional um, auctions, but that will represent a fraction of that community, uh, that kitty bank. Uh, so far, the kitty banks had about two hundred and fifty Ethereum put in. Uh, with what looks like another 200 to come. And it's valued at about floor prices of 550 ETH at the last check. So we as a team invest that ETH, and then you have the ability to smash your cat to get that token. So the PERS are always backed by something. This wallet will always back them. And it's a bit like... You know, we used to have the gold standard and all money was backed by gold. Now your NFTs are backed by what I would consider the gold standard of NFTs. So we've got a punk in there. We've got V friends. We've got Avastars. Uh, we've got some art. Um, we've got some uh, fuck render crystals. Uh, I don't actually have it open at the moment. So I'm just going off the top of my head uh, and the goal is really just to, we, we owned 2% of a zombie punk as well, um, which we bought in 25 ETHs worth and then it sold and we got 35 back and that will now be reinvested in NFTs. So really your, 
your cats can never go to zero unless all of NFTs go to zero. Like if if the whole space dies, there's nothing I can do. I'm I'm sorry. I'm just putting that out there now. I can't I can't save any of us. But I can stop pers going to zero if if the other gold standards are there. If punks are doing well, we've got a punk. You you will always fractionally own a punk if you have a pair. Um, so it's that that's the goal, sort of an opposite cash grab. And so and so to eventually to I guess to quote unquote cash in on the per, you will have to burn your per, or does it return to the the company wallet? Burn, gone, burn, gone. gone. Deflationary cats that can only go down and will only go down because of. As soon as I know, as soon as I release the contract, someone will burn a cat. It will not be worth it. And that's why it's not out there now, because the cats are worth that the floor is roughly 0.3 ETH, give or take. We go up and down a bit as the day goes on. We took 800 ETH in our sale. So if we put all 800 ETH back into the kitty bank, that means each cat would be backed by 0.08 ETH, which was our sale price. But now, obviously, the floor's up. So it's not going to make sense to burn for a while. This is a project where that we're building on. 1.5% of secondary sales go into the community wallet. 1% go back into the company, which, as long as we're not paying salary or taxes, will then be putting, or artists, will be going into... Um, the kitty bank so we're going to keep adding to that over time and eventually the floor might become comparable to a cap price uh to the kitty bank and people might be incentivized to burn to burn it's just now it's not and i because it take you can't take 800 ETH in a sale and then suddenly make it be worth make it worth 2400 in nfts that that's at least two months' time. Yeah, <laughs> so... which is fascinating. So so as you're going through this, what I'm thinking is most NFT projects do not have anything that involved, right? Like even even NFT projects with a you know a quote unquote roadmap, a quote unquote community, most of them are not close to that well thought out. Um, you know, it, it's about the art or it's about the community, but like adding. Um, utility and backing to these tokens. I mean, what? I mean, you just said it. 20, 20 token, you know, twenty tokenized projects come out a day. How how many of them would you estimate are well, like if just defined by you, Carlini, as well thought out? Uh, well, these these projects are harder to put out than people think. Um, they just think, oh, just clone Fiverr artists, whack it up. More thought does go into it than that, so I don't really want to, you know, shit on anyone else's work. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to shit on anyone else either. I, I'm. I'm trying to. I'm realistically just. I would like to know the answer. Uh, I'd say one at best, which is good. I mean, if one, if one semi-thoughtful NFT project exists per day, that actually makes me more bullish on all of the Ethereum that has been spent on NFTs in general, because that's actually creating something valuable and usable. And that has the 
like that the that the marketplace as a whole has a much better chance of standing the test of time than uh, the people who are not going to make it think. I, I think anyone that sticks around will do well. It, like, say there are twenty today. If all of them are still working on it in four years, those are probably successful projects. But my issue is when you look at these, when you look at the wallets, which not many people do, but when you look at these wallets, it's it's when they just send send all the ETH out, say all done, withdraw it to a wallet, split it to the whole team, pat yourself on the back, off you go. Those are the ones I don't think are going to make it because they've left nothing in the business. They They can't hire people that's not a proper business perlini's is a registered uk company um we sure we have to pay tax we which we have to account for in our sale uh, and ongoing secondary sales but we're we're doing it right to to be here a long time we've taken out the cash needed to pay these salaries for a year uh, and if we get to four thousand unique holders We'll do the same for two years. So even if NFTs go to zero, we've got the cash to keep building for two years. And that, if NFTs do go to zero, that'll be sad. Uh, I'll be sad because I, I've I've not hidden this. If anyone makes something cool, I will copy it. Like um, the Kong's banana token, I'm waiting to see. I, I love that Genesis Kong's get you ten bananas a day. Um, and you can use those to breed baby conks. But those are currently propped up by future utility. What can those baby conks do? What else can you do with bananas? If they close that loop, if they have a solution that's cool, I'll copy it. And I'm, I'm telling you now, Kong devs, I'll, I'll do that. And that's, that's like a hat tip, right? You've, you've done something great. I think that would be good here. Obviously, it's not going to be their art or their i'm not going to steal ip i'm going to steal the the idea um which which you can't stop and if they want to take the kitty bank great take it and then if they want to take the kitty bank and improve on it great i'll take that back and if nfts go to zero there's going to be less joint growth so it'll be like a battle without a battle we're like People will be one-upping each other and then copying the one-up and then making it better and improving. And it will only make NFT projects better. And those that stick around for that are going to be the ones to stay in. It's just when there are 20 drops a day, how do you know which ones are going to stick around? The the teams are like Fred, Fred the Frog, Hedge the Hedgehog, and Danny the Dog. Like right. all of them. And and I say that as we we were cats as well at the start, and I was top cat, and we had notorious CAT um and no cat. And that was just because at the time I was selling NFT boxes, my other company of the time, and I'd been selling it since March. So at that point, I'd actually been selling it longer than I'd been working on it. Yeah, da- were- David Kitchen loved the NFT boxes. He was uh talking about that on the Swolecast all the time. Yeah, I I love it too. It's a great idea. It's just uh, we had different ideas on which way to go with it. And ultimately, 
we had to part ways because it was sort of holding everything up. We, I wanted to go in one way, he wanted to go in another way. So it's like, okay, do you want to buy me out and you can do it all? Yes, it just turns out that again was a properly registered UK company. And that takes a long time with solicitors and accountants and all of this. Uh, and I actually sold, I bought, I was bought out in crypto, which was uh, pretty cool. Uh, I highly doubt that's the first time it's happened, but it might be the first NFT company to uh, to have that happen. Um, and as soon as I, as soon as it was announced that I was out, I could unreveal myself and then be like, hey guys, look, I'm going to build on this. This is what I've been building for the past few months. I'm not going away. When someone stakes, I'm not going to say I have a reputation, but when you stake your reputation on the line, I've been Carlini 8 in the NFT world for four years. That's a big rug to pull if I'm going to run away from this project. Just like, it's why I'm so bullish on V friends because Gary V has effectively been Gary V for 20, 25 years. And he's said, I am fully behind V friends. So that is someone with a huge track record of right i'm gonna i'm gonna do this right saying i'm going to do this right for the next 50 years we're like okay i think i can back that the only exception i would have is art if it's an artist dropping a project that's a little different you don't you don't need a team because the artist can drop more art and that is the project like i know technically all of these profile pictures are art but if it's an artist with a real life following that's going to do this right they don't need so much of a team to drop their next work right because it's almost exactly the same as the first sale you're just dropping it to anyone who already has your first nft maybe they need one dev to help them drop it maybe the fifth piece goes to anyone with one, two, three, and four, but six goes to anyone with any of the five. It's just, just the power of NFTs to support your community. And artists can do it a little differently, but when it's a team that says they're going to do X or Y, if they stick around, they're the projects that are going to make it is, is my view. Yeah. I think, I think that is relatively good advice. Um, so someone's listening to this, they're pumped, they're sold, they are, they're in on the idea, they would like to get their feet wet, um, you know, kind of what would be the first steps you would tell them? I, I assume join a Discord and learn about the process of minting as opposing to trying to, uh, you know, handpick a winner out, off the open sea market. So this is just NFTs in general, not Perlinis? Well, or Porlinis. Yeah. Tell, tell someone to, I mean, we, we can do both. We can do, tell someone, okay, I want to buy a Perlini. What do I do? Or I'd like to start, you know, I have 0.5 ETH and I'd like to start minting and trying to make some, some, uh, some more ETH. Okay. Well, for, for Penelope's country club, I should probably use the right name and in case anyone wants to search for it and I've just ruined advertising. Uh, but for Penelope's country club, PCC, um, I'd say there are, if you're just dipping your toes in, there would be two ways in, and that would be by the floor, 
which means the cheapest cat. So you go to OpenSea, you, ch- you search Penelope's Country Club. You can just type in per, and normally it's the first one. Make sure there's a tick. A lot of people seem to have picked Penelope's as their first NFT, and a lot were confused because they picked a scam one. People can name their collections anything, and they're instantly up on OpenSea. So we report them and they get taken down. But if they've just put that collection up, it's possible to search Penelope's Double Space Country Club, and that's them. So make sure that blue tick is there. Um, click buy now because there's always there's always auctions, and it's so annoying. There's like they're always the cheapest cats, and you can't buy them right there. You have to bid. It's just dumb and they should be hidden right away and you see the cheapest one there maybe maybe have a scroll across looking at the floor to see how deep it is because if we're coming up to a 0.3 ETH resistance floor at Penelope's so that means there are about 50 cats all priced exactly the same so if you just you could just have a scroll and see which one you like the most you could dig dig deep into traits and rarities and things like that but for your first NFT, I'd suggest just picking one you like the look of because if you're buying a floor cat, it's quite easy to get rid of with the liquidity pool, which is number two, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but there's a like I'm just I'm just scrolling the collection at the moment, and there's just a quite a I guess clean would be the way to describe it, cat, little smiley face and some shades on, which I would probably buy right now if if I was looking to buy a floor cat, it's in that 0.3 bulk. And if you like the look of it, it's it's easier to live with if NFTs do go to zero. Sure. At least you have that and you like the look of it. And if you're buying floor, that's the easiest to get out. So if everything is tanking, the floor one you can dump into our liquidity pool. So that would be the second way to get in. We have a token called dollar sign per P U R R, and one token represents one cat. So there's a there's a site called nftx.org, and they have these things called vaults. And you send your cat into the vault, and they give you effectively an IOU in return. And that IOU lets you swap for a different cat. So we have 800 cats in this vault all backed by this token and anyone with a token can turn up and say, Hey, I got a token. Can I have that cat? And you pay a slight premium, 0.05 per premium. If you want an exact cat or you just go for a random cat, it's just one per. And so I'm looking at it currently and the price of one per now, if you were to buy one is 0.26, whereas the floor is 0.3 or around there so currently it's cheaper to buy one per token and then go and claim a cat than it is to buy the floor cat so that would be the other easy way in uh so that's purely the floor i'd suggest going into discord first and that's for any project always go into the discord chat to people see if the team are responding to you see if the community are responding to you. Hey guys, this is my first NFT. What do you suggest I buy? People will yeah. spam you with, oh, buy this, and it will be their cat. Right. You know, just check the names. They're just trying to sell their stuff. 
but if someone truly tries to dig in and help you learn what's going on then they're likely a, a good actor in the space bad actors don't go to too much effort often because there are so many noobs in this space just just mass blanket them uh and for picking winners in general it's right now it's about socials numbers in discord number of followers for the main guy on twitter level of hype like lick your finger put it in the air if it's really windy in the discord from every all the mouths chatting it's likely a good drop to uh to buy into to buy into these the space is so changeable you can have you have the pudgy penguin type they had a bit of hype they sold out they effectively went to zero they went to 0.001 or something people were selling for week later 60 floor it's it's unpredictable you had on1 pumped by logan paul and and people of that level up to six or seven ETH the day it was released. And then it dumped a week later to say one ETH. It's whatever goes up, there's a different project going down. The, the money's flowing into somewhere else. Sometimes right. you just have to watch the big wallets. And if someone buys... If you see a Gary V buy a project, he constantly tweets not to not to buy what he buys because I think he's feeling a bit guilty. He buys a project and then it pumps and then it dumps and anyone who followed him gets wrecked. Gets wrecked, yeah. But that happens because he buys and then people buy up and then the slower people buy in and they get dumped on by the people who bought just after him. It's, it's like Elon Musk pumping Doge or Cummies effectively. People are trading tweets and dumping on the slower traders, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it is like like I said, it is it is very much like early, like you know, 2017 crypto. They just there there are coordinated pump and dumps, and there I mean, there is absolutely no uh, resistance against this. It's not like there's anyone you know there there's no legislative body stopping anyone from pumping and or dumping, and you know that that's a whole different conversation that that would take you know the the eventual regulations and how to do taxes and tax harvesting. That is a uh, a whole different thing. And then I guess, I guess the, the last thing uh, that I want to talk about is, is, you know, what, what effect do you think gas being this high is having on the NFT market? And also that just in general, the price of Ethereum pumping, how do you see those variables interacting? Well, gas hurts innovation. So there are a lot of things people want to do that they just can't. And people say, oh, I'll go, Okay, but on Matic or Polygon now, um, just because it's cheap there. And that just sort of takes away from the NFT. So ETH is the gold standard. You saw Gods Unchained come in and they're like, right, we're going to build this game. And then they're effectively crippled by gas. Uh, Crypts Kitties was crippled by gas. Um, you then saw them move to Topshop because of gas they created flow because there are multiple interviews where they say yep we just couldn't do we wanted too many transactions on ETH when more people are doing this it's going to be even worse 
we made flow to to battle that and this is top shot like imagine buying a two dollar moment and paying a hundred dollars gas it just wouldn't work it you just don't have people trying to do that because of gas yeah the um, the top shot model just would not work on ethereum it would be a dead project no and uh things like people are building games on top of it so Axie went to ronan um loop is building the runescape of nf uh of nft world which will be very interesting to see how he gets around gas or when a transaction actually happens during the game uh so so like i was saying in 2018 there were so many different there was different stages of nft innovation we we had we had the hot potatoes we we had the dividends there were also battling games i remember an island game where you'd buy an island and an amount of eth in your island would slowly go up from your purchase and you could attack another island depending on your island stats and gain that pot of eth and gas was one or two or something like that so gas just wasn't a problem and you could come up with this cool idea where people are battling each other crypto war you would buy a country and then on that country you'd buy factories and level up those factories and then that factory would produce tanks and you'd produce more and more tanks and you'd have dividends of other countries using your factories to make tanks and then you'd battle other countries with these tanks and they were like mobile games but text so it had sort of mobile games mechanics but you know right but it was like an old text yeah, nineteen eighty nine, like text adventure RPG. Moria, I think I remember from playing back then. Uh, that sort of that sort of innovation just can't happen now because you can't do things on ETH. So we've seen that maybe yesterday or the day before with um, what's that thing that's just I can't remember what it's loot. Loot, it's just, yeah. Just sort of D and D inventories. Like how how are people going to properly build out a D and D game on this? Is it going to be mostly? It's going to have to mostly be off chain. You take in your character, you do it all off chain, and at the end, once you've completed your braid or dungeon or whatever they're going to call it, it then sends a transaction back to ETH to change your inventory or your character, and it will be whatever gas is that will be how much a game costs to play maybe though the game will add a fee so so they profit as well but that could happen constantly so you you were talking about a little bit of alpha um perlini's is working on a game as well uh, we've actually just sent the the art over um someone reached out and said hey i can make a game i'm not saying it's going to be runescape of nft is like loops doing it's going to be stages you go you go between each stage uh, and have battles like like those mobile games where you move across a map from circle to circle with a road between the circles and certain things happen at the circles um and gas is a factor there because we want we want there to be I've said there's going to be eight airdrops. I want one of those to be access, a token that's access to the game. 
and another that is your cat that you then level up in the game and you have to you have to check if they have these have the tokens still at certain points and gas has become an issue that we're looking at matic for that um and before that fomo's too many people in i will say the game is more on par with the board apes game just you know a nice a nice fun game that you might have fun playing but you're not going to get addicted to and it's not going to be worth the value of the nft um so that nft all of our eight airdrops will also have an allocation of the kitty bank so for this gaming one i would imagine the kitty bank is the floor for that like the game will be fun but once you've played it you've played it and maybe we make enough money to to expand the game and make it bigger and even better but there's no promise of that if we have some sort of raise like board apes you know get a 90 mil raise i think we can we can probably add to that game quite well but with how we've spent our reef we have to be quite careful with what we do going forward so there's people don't go fomo by because because of the game coming um but that's that's just that just linked in quite well with the whole with the whole gas situation that we've actually had to most likely move it to a second a second chain um a second layer on if just because of gas and gas is hurting change that's that's sort of it really yeah yeah i think that is uh that is a that is a great way to end the show that was a a very valuable conversation i i really appreciate it that was lots of good information and lots of questions i've had for a long time so uh carlini thank you very much for joining us um everyone if you'd like to uh do you do you want people to follow you on twitter or do you not care uh yeah that'll be good i hit my i hit one million impressions for the first time today so pretty pretty hyped about twitter right now there you go. All right, uh, guys, you can follow Carlini if you want. Uh, you want to try and get some some alpha out of him at Carlini eight N on Twitter. He's also in uh, Pete's Discord, the uh, the Deposit Kingdom. You guys should all, of course, be subscribing to Ship Chasing and all of Pete's stuff. And uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up. We will uh, we will be back next week with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. You can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 